go again. I'm Claire. And I'm Ashley. And, and this we're is fuck. Celebrity, Celebrity Memoir, Memoir Book, Book Club. Club. What if we learn to do it in harmony? Go high, I'll go low. Celebrity, Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Club. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be very relevant in two weeks when we do our special guest singer episode. You guys can guess who it is. It's um, a very hot singer that just dropped a memoir. Um, and as you know, we read them. Memoira Carrie. That's what we call her. Memoria Okay. Ashley, should we just like get onto it? Uh, yeah, Claire. How was your week, Ash? Oh, wait. Actually, I want to say right off the bump, right off the jump, um, subscribe to our Patreon. We This week, Ashley gave such a good episode. She, If you guys have listened to our old podcast, you know she was in a very messy breakup. The breakup is insane. She gets into it. She names names. Now that we're behind a paywall, we think that we're like safe from the government. The government <laughs> can't get us without paying $5, okay, right? Okay, I do want to say that like, even though it is on a website, there is a wall virtually. And so how could anyone find... It's like, I know that... TikTok is free, and so that's how they're stealing all my data. But on Patreon, it's not free, the, so how could they know anything? If the FBI takes our data from Patreon, they should all have to pay $5. <laughs> Every single FBI agent. Yeah, I how agree How many agents that. do you think it would take to hack our Patreon? One. <laughs> well, I want $5 from him. Um, this is how I feel. Like, you don't have to hack us. Just pay the $5, and then we'll give you all the content for free. Yeah. Um, we will talk about literally anything you want us to talk about. If there's anything you want an episode on, we'll do it. Um... We also do little bonus episodes on the books we've read. We like talk Get a little bit more say what we really think. in depth about these uh, bitches <laughs> and man bitches. I'm not. The gloves come off on the Patreon. So please subscribe. It's in the link in our bio. Yes. Um, I just wanted you to know about it. It'll also be in the show notes here. Um, okay. Thank you. Oh, Claire. Uh-huh. What would you call your memoir this week? This chapter? I would say. Onwards and upwards with love and little else. Um, <laughs> my uh, memoir chapters are like <laughs> like haikus. <laughs> um, I had like a great week. It was my birthday this week. I turned 28. I don't have a lot going on in my life. I'm not terribly accomplished. I'm literally begging for $5. I'm like, what do you want to see? My vagina, my heart, my family health records? I'll give you anything. We'll turn our Patreon into an OnlyFans for an extra $5. Yeah, for $5, we'll bleed our souls. And for six, <laughs> we'll show nipple. <laughs> Back to my week. It was my birthday. And I have to say, I mean, I'm not doing well in terms of like what people write on paper, but I... I feel like I had a lot of friends show up. I had so many friends this you week. You are doing well. You live in a beautiful apartment with a beautiful boyfriend Thank who you. pays more than half the rent. And he's was so nice to me this week. We had such a fun week. You suddenly have an arsenal of denim yeah, that you I, never have had before. I've had more denim than ever. I mean, I, a lot of my friends showed up. We hung out in the park. We hung I out would out. say on paper, you're living a perfect life. <laughs> yeah, it's not so bad. I mean, comedy sucks, but otherwise, it's not so, maybe I'm better off without comedy. Seems like it. It's just the hole in my heart. Dang, dang, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel very grateful for everybody that kind of reached out, anybody that liked the post I wrote for myself, anybody <laughs> that subscribed to the Patreon, you showed up, you gave me Olaplex, which will be great for my hair. My dog was in town. She is an idiot, but I love her so much. God, She's so she beautiful. She is the derpiest little slop bucket. <laughs> <laughs> slop. We took her to the dog park today, and she has this move she does where she somersaults onto the ground head first, like making sure every inch of her body, like not just touches dirt, but like rubs to dirt. She like absorbed the dirt like a sponge. She became gray. She's the dirtiest <laughs> dog right now. 
But God, I love her. Having her in my life. I mean, I don't care that she woke me up every morning at 4, 4.30, 5, 5.30, 6, 6.30 until I would take her for her dawn walk. <laughs> I still love her. so. Like, you'd be like, look at her happy face. You go, fuck, I got to take her on it. Like, I love her so much. I'm not even mad. She's so beautiful. She, she is like radiant, even caked in dirt. She just has this bright light to her. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky in that sense. Full of love. Full of yeah. lights and love. Ashley, how was your week? Yeah, okay. I would say mine is almost the opposite. Um, I was going to call my memoir chapter this week um, to quote Britney Spears. I, I can't decide if I want to quote my loneliness is killing me or my loneliness ain't killing me no more because my project this week has been, I'm not, I keep saying lonely to quote Justin Bieber and his new song, Lonely. Um but I have been like working actively on like learning how to spend time by myself because I am very bad at it. And so I did spend a good amount of time by myself this week, but I was doing it to like try and be good at it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, there was two nights this week where I like actively fought texting random people to just hang out because I was like just don't like you have things to do. Like you have a podcast to edit. You have, you could just sleep. You could, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like whenever I have like time to kill by myself with no plans, with no people, I like use that as like time that I have to pass. I don't use it as productive time. I'm like, okay, I have no one to hang out with. Like I just like, it was rainy this week. And so, especially because the way things are right now, like if you can't really go outside, there's just not that much to do unless you have plans with a specific person. Like there's no like going to a comedy show to hang out, you know? And so I was like, I was working on being productive in time by myself. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm productive when I'm like, okay, I have these 10 things to do today and I have to get them done by the time I have a date at seven. You know what I mean? And that's how yes. I work. Whereas if I have no plans, I'm like, okay, I just have to like kill time till tomorrow. And so I'll watch like 10 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. And it's like, that's bad. <laughs> I have that same problem. I don't like unstructured time. Yeah. Well, good for you, dude. So that is why my loneliness ain't killing me. And if no you're wondering more. why she wasn't meeting up with people this week, it'll be in the Patreon up. Yeah, it'll be in the Patreon. Um, it sounds like I have COVID. I don't have COVID. Um, I just, you oh know, God, it was just like I a weird week. I forgot about COVID. <laughs> no, it's still like huge. People still get it all the time. Where? I don't know. In the news, they keep saying it. Nobody the in my office has up, it, unfortunately. So. But like what numbers? Where are they getting these numbers? You know, I would love pond? for somebody in my office to get COVID so we could shut down and I can stay home forever. I would love for you to be home more. I would love to, to hang out with me. My loneliness is killing me. <laughs> I do think, I was going to say, I do think that is like the one of the problems for me like in trying to like spend evenings and stuff alone and like not obsessively go out and hang out with people is because I work from home and so I'm alone all day. I get that. No, I feel the same way where I used to get my social fix from my comedy fix because yeah. going out and doing a mic, doing a show, these things were social and productive. But I also and now don't you have, have to pick one or the other because the only way to really be productive with comedy is to like stay home and write and record and edit. Yeah. And um, but then it's like if you've been alone all day working, it's you're like I. It's so I'm hard so because like because I work from home and I don't really see any of my. I mean, not I don't really see any of my coworkers. I don't see anyone all day unless I go for walks. And so, like, I just am sitting in my house by myself all day. And so then, like, 6 p.m. rolls around. And I'm like, if I don't go make plans, I won't talk to people in person today. And it, like, sucks. But then I'm also like, I can't just be, like, running around town every day. There's a pandemic still. 
Yeah, also there's nowhere to run around too. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. I just I mean, to... it's about to end. It's about it's like on the cusp of being too yeah. cold to hang out outside. I, that's why I spent this week working hard on hanging out by myself because I was like, I do like this winter will come and I like can't lose my fucking gourd. We were with our friend Adrian today and we were joking about she was remembering how bad of a place I was in the summer <laughs> and she was like I had totally forgot how like awful and unhinged you were until I listened to the last week's episode and I was like oh yeah she was sad because she's like you seem so much better now but hearing you say like it's you're still sad but she was like oh yeah this and she's like it's such a hard summer she's like you know I lost my job Ashley lost her boyfriend you lost your mind <laughs> <laughs> I was like that is true that is what happened um yeah it's been like a weird I don't know if you guys have noticed this I don't maybe it's just here it's been a weird time <laughs> Oh my God, it's bizarre out there, huh? Pretty, well, pretty funky. Okay, we've we got a fun to... episode. I hope that somebody's commuting to work and they're listening to our podcast on the way, or even if in the background or whatever. On yeah, a dog or walk. just turn it on while you're working from home. Have us keep you company. Keep me company. Call me. Leave We're... me a voice note. I love you. You know those <laughs> idiots at work who just chatter, chatter, chatter all day, and you cannot stand them. But now you even miss them because you miss everything. Let yes. us be those idiots. I want to be your idiot. We are the water cooler. <laughs> all right, this week we're doing. Um, we've got another little dose of H. Madison. Um, we love her. And Mrs. Mads. Miss Mads. And in order to make it the time of our lives, we have an incredible guest. We're so excited to have her. Um, you've seen her on Twitter. You've seen her on Instagram. She is hot and she is ready to talk about Holly Madison. Please welcome Dana Donnelly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she just put on her glasses, which I feel like is perfect for the book we're about to talk about, Holly Madison, because if there's one thing Holly Madison wants, it's to look smart. (laughs) It's the most important thing to her. (laughs) So can you just tell me, what was your relationship to Holly Madison before you read the book? So before I read the book, I had seen like Girls Next Door a couple times, just like when it was on. I don't think it was ever like my first choice viewing. Um, So I had seen like episodes with her, Bridget and Kendra, like I'd seen a bunch of those. And so when I saw the book at Barnes and Noble, I think I was looking for a summer read. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm familiar. And I thought it would be like fun and like, and I was very uh, surprised. Yes, it's definitely <laughs> not fun. That's so interesting, though, but you weren't, like, a huge Holly fan. You weren't a huge no, Girls Next Door. Like, no, not at all. Were you guys? Yes. I kind of was. Oh, <laughs> and I, God, okay. I had forgotten until we read this book for this podcast that it was, like, I feel like it really shaped a lot of my pubescence because I was, like, coming of age when that – you're a little bit younger than us, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I think that's when that show was at its prime. And those were like prime years to be like, what is sexy? What is a woman? And then here were these three girls being like, sexy is bleach, blonde hair, and giant balloon tits. And I was like, got it, writing it down, understood. It's like truly peak, like 2000s, what hot is. Like it's very Bush era, you know? We were looking at their nudes and it's like their bodies are (laughs) timestamped. literally and like it's like it's so funny because I'm like oh no one looks like that anymore no it's very weapons of mass destruction are right glued to your sternum you can like see the girls in a hummer like it's yeah um or like a a low-rise camo mini skirt kind of vibe like it's really weird um 
It's but, scary yeah. to think that uh, like a breast augmentation can be dated looking. That like oh, no, but they are. Like it's like oh, if you have like these giant tits, you got those in two thousand four. Butts will look like that. Do you know what I mean? I think I like think in ten years. Yeah, I think so. Like the, the big big ass will also be like a dated piece. Yeah, I mean, I think it's both boob technology, but then also just, like, what is attractive. Well, people, like, want normal look... Like, people want, like, natural-looking boobs now. Like, that's a big thing that people, like, go in asking for. But I think in the 2000s, it's, like, people wanted their boobs to look fake. Like, that was, mm-hmm. like, the whole point. I, like, talk about that a lot, about how, like, that kind of blonde bimbo look is... It's not even supposed to look hot. It's supposed to signify, like, I have a wife who's doing what she can to look like a sex object like yes, exactly yeah it's very stepford like, yeah, like and it's the showing that you're doing it like you do, you want people to know that this was a goal of yours was to look like you're trying to look hot yes yeah and they were okay. cheating it I have to say this is so catty and mean but like looking at Kendra's face I'm like I cannot believe this is a girl anybody ever thought was hot she is Okay, that's another thing about the early 2000s that no one talks about is that there are so many butterfaces and no one cared. Like, it's, like, so weird because I'm, like, and, like, not, I'm not trying to, like, be mean to any actresses of that time, whatever, like, but, like, like, okay, this is going to sound mean, but, like, Kirsten Dunst and, like, um, who else was I thinking of the other day? Like, Cameron Diaz. Like, they're, they're beautiful people, like, totally beautiful, but I'm, like, they have, like, weird faces. Well, I think back in the day you used to be allowed to have your own face and now yeah. everybody has the same face <laughs> I think like that kind of sucks too because I was like also like Paris Hilton I was thinking about Paris Hilton and like Paris Hilton is like kind of weird looking but that's also kind of like what makes her her but yes. I'm like oh it's interesting because like no one would no one would be famous now and like want to look like that it yes happens. well it's funny it's like before they had facetune they would just smudge their faces with like a fake tan. Do you know what I mean? They were like, right. they were color blocking their entire faces. <laughs> yeah, no, they literally were. It's like, like a camouflage into your own. Like, thing. exactly. They're like, take your face, make it tan, take your hair, make it white, take your eyes, make them black with charcoal eyeliner. I feel like they all had tiny little eyes. I feel like that was a big yes. thing was everyone had these like tiny little blue eyes. Yes. Tiny <laughs> eyes, huge tits. <laughs> huge tits. Okay, this is soft, but I recently watched um, the first ever season of The Bachelor. And when you look at girls from a pre-filler era, their faces look like empty. Yeah, no, it's it's like literally super weird. Like now that not everyone has like a fucking like plump ass round face. And they're, they have the big lips and then they have the big eyes and the fake eyelashes and the full eyebrows. And you look back then and there's just like, you look at them and you're like, there's no face here. <laughs> their face is missing. It's You're like you always say that you always hate faces with nothing to grab onto. <laughs> I well, I hate a face where there's no like bone structure. <laughs> Something to grab onto. If you for the listeners out there, Claire's climbing a face right now. <laughs> so let's get into the actual book now that we've really cut because I don't feel like this is that off topic. So I do think that book is mostly about what it was to look hot in 2004. Oh, yes. Yeah, and like oh. Totally. Like the whole experience of like living life as a, that kind of hot person. And so I'm so excited. So you read it a few years ago, but you say a lot of it stuck with you. What do you think is like one of the biggest things you think about regularly? I think about the, um, the night. So you know how she talks about Hugh Hefner's like sex ritual? 
Yes, where the bedroom routine. Yes. The bedroom, like, once a week or whatever. I literally think about that all the time. Like, I think about it anytime someone mentions, like, half. I think about it, like, anytime someone mentions, like, anything related to that. I, like, am always thinking about it because it's just, like, the way she describes it is so gra- – it's actually quite graphic. And, like, yeah. it's yeah. really, like, sad and scarring. And I also feel like she describes, like, the smell of the mansion really well. Like, the cat pee and stuff like that. That's Okay. I literally... Why is the mansion covered in pee? I literally, like, couldn't stop thinking about that. Like, I, I can't... I couldn't. Um, I want to get into... Okay, so both of those things. So the first yeah. thing would be the bedroom routine. For listeners, I'm going to give a rundown of what it is because it's fresh in my mind. Basically, Wednesdays and Fridays, they were required to go clubbing. They would get home at 1 a.m. and then all of the girlfriends plus whatever girls were invited to the clubbing event, be it like prospective playmates, girls who were trying to become girlfriends, they'd all be invited up to Hef's bedroom where they would all surround the bed on their like knees while he played porn on two, com- on two screens. He would start himself off and all the girls had to pretend to be hooking up. And then one by one, they would be called up to do the deed with him until I guess it was almost like a musical chairs. So they would all just hop on, hop off. And then he finished himself off. And that was Wednesdays and Fridays. But it literally sounds like it's like they like, the way that I remember, it's almost like they did like, you know, like it was only like three strokes and you're out. Like it's like not really having sex with them. It was like literally like, oh, let me put my dick in you like twice and then move on. Like Exactly. It really was just to say that he had been inside all these ladies. Yeah. It it almost like, it it really does feel like I'm like, oh, did you ever even like having sex? Like what even, because that's not like whatever that was, isn't like a sex thing. No, it sounds like you're getting communion. (laughs) Like you go up, you get bestowed the wafer and you move on. Yeah. I mean, she mentioned. Yeah. He was very, he definitely had, he, um, how do you call it? He like had a God complex and it's like, mm-hmm. he really did think that like all of these like women w- existed for him to like, I don't know, like, Herb, yeah, yeah. Like, it was so the, weird. the weirdest thing is that he seems so like such a little bitch though. It talks a lot about how he would cry. He would like, when he would get upset with them, he would throw tantrums and literally stomp cry. his feet. And you're just the like stomping of the feet. Yeah, and that sounds like a weird boy king. Like it's very like Joffrey and Game of Thrones. Like it's really bizarre. And then the other thing that blew my mind is that every every person he's ever been with has cheated on him, including his first wife, pre Playboy, including like his wives. Like one of them left him for a butler in the mansion, and it's just like I mean that has to be so emasculating and humiliating that like your whole shtick is that you're like the sex god king who has women bow to you and yet like nobody is faithful to you I think that's humiliating yeah I mean it's extremely humiliating and it's also this weird thing where like I mean how it's weird because Holly knows that it's so fucked up like she mentions specifically in the book like we were not allowed to cheat on him but he would have 38 girlfriends at a time and just invite random people to the bedroom and we were expected to just like enjoy it and it does make you wonder like where she's coming from. Cause that is her introduction into the mansion and like clearly the case. I mean, it's like, it's weird because there is a definite like self-awareness of it all, but all like, but you can also see where she like loses her sense of like what's normal and kind of like becomes Completely. like home syndrome into being like, well, now my goal is to just like be Hughes, be, be um, his number one. Yeah. I think- so I actually have a big theory that she has not yet been to therapy 
in between leaving the mansion and writing the book. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Because, I mean, in the book, she talks about being on antidepressants and she's kind of like, acts like saying she's on antidepressants is this like huge, brave stance she's taking. But then even though she's like, immediately when she introduces them, she's like, but I weaned myself off really quickly. And then when she dates Chris Angel later, he brings it up and she's like, I'm not on antidepressants. And like, she seems to have like a weird relationship to antidepressants, which is funny because like as comics, I'm like... It's like water. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing if you're not on them. <laughs> about therapy is that she mentioned that she asked Hef if she could go to therapy. And he was like, no, you can talk to Mary. Oh, yeah. I forgot you that. You can just like have longer conversations with my secretary. You don't need a therapist. Because he says if you go to a therapist, they're just going to tell you to break up with me. Yeah. I forgot that she said that. But what really gets me is the way that she looks back at this clearly like I don't know if it's technically abusive, but it's like toxic, manipulative, fucked up situation. And the way she still acts like because she played the game so well and was such a good girlfriend to him and was so faithful and didn't ask for too much money that he should have treated her better. Like that this was somehow a winnable game where they were being rewarded for good behavior. And that to me is such a sick thought because it's such a clearly impossible situation where you are being beaten down like on purpose that for her to like not see that it doesn't matter how hard she tried, it was never going to be enough. Suggests that nobody professional has ever stepped in and talked to her. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah. we're definitely like not like other mansion girls complex. Like she's like, oh, like really? she for some reason thought that she was like different from like Kendra or Bridget or like she was just like, no, 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 like it's different with me and have. Do you feel that she was a reliable narrator? Because one thing that I find really interesting is how, later in the book she like talks back on how much she like should have seen the red flags but when you're reading those parts she's talking about the red flags so it's like I don't know that she felt as negatively mm-hmm. and I would say like I definitely think she's very reliable with like all of the like half stuff I kind of wonder more about like when she tells about uh like talking to Kendra and like the other girls I'm kind of like okay you kind of make yourself seem more mature or like insightful in a very deliberate way that almost feels like I'm like you can't be that much smarter than Kendra like you're like I feel exactly the same way yeah part of it I'm like I don't really think I agree 100% that I feel like she's able to look back at the relationship with Hef and be like this was bad but her need to be a different kind of prostitute the one that only gets room and board whereas all the other girls came in and got money and she's like they're worse because they got money and I'm like no they were just smarter literally differentiating yourself like literally being like not like other like playboy bunnies is like so funny like that to me is just like absolutely wild and I'm like that is its own complex yeah, and she's so hung up on the fact that she's actually smart. Like, there's this one part where, he, like, Hef screams at her and is like, do you even know what the word cumulative means? And she's like, I rolled my eyes and thought I could tell him my cumulative SAT score. And it's like, what? <laughs> really sad because I also think, I believe that she was someone who, like, like she, like, went to call. Like, she, wasn't she, like, she was in college when she, like, left to be in the mansion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I'm like, I believe that she was like, I believe that being good at school was part of her identity. And so I get why she it like hangs on to that so much because it's like, also it's an, it seems like she really did have kind of like a mental collapse in the mansion where she talks about developing a stutter, which makes me so sad. Yeah. Like, I remember that. Like, I'm just like, yes. the fact that she literally 
um, found herself like unable to talk and articulate herself because she was in such an abusive relationship with someone who was like making her feel so bad about herself. And like, I totally get where that comes from. Cause I feel like I've also been in relationships like that where I start to feel like the person doesn't know that I'm smart. And so I'm always thinking about how smart I am to myself. Yes. Because I can't, this person will never respect me or my intelligence. And all I can do is like, think about how smart I am. Yeah. And so I really empathize with that because I think like that's such a thing with being in an abusive relationship is you hold on to all of the things that like defined you before you met the person. Totally. Yes, I agree. And then also I just, I think though the fact that she could have this much distance from the mansion and not have any sympathy for the other girls who are also in that situation and think maybe they were going through similar things. That's what's kind of crazy to me that 30 other women come and go as girlfriends in that time. And she doesn't have a single idea that maybe they felt similarly. It's very like um, when you as a kid are having like a hard childhood and you assume everyone else has a perfect childhood. Yes. And it like, she talks so judgmentally about the other girls, like even Kendra, like especially their initial behaviors. That's like one thing that was pretty key to me is the way that like the way that they came into the mansion and talked to her right off the bat. Like when Kendra was new, when Crystal was new, like all these people and, and like, she really was judgmental of those behaviors. And it's like, you yourself talk about how you had these like coping mechanisms. Everyone thought you were an ice queen because you were afraid to speak up. Like you were a bitch to them because you were scared to talk. And now you're saying like, because Kendra talks too much, she's like an overconfident bitch. And it's just like, she's so mean about the way she perceives these other women but it's like they're probably freaking the fuck out (laughs) also like when she met Kendra Kendra was like 18 and she was like 24 right like you're like you're years older than her like any sort Mm -hmm. of judgments you have are so unfounded like it's it is weird that she's so like seems to lack self-awareness to like properly assess other people and in the way that she calls Kendra stupid because Kendra was able to get better deals is like so funny she's like that dumb idiot ditzy bottle blonde Kendra was able to get her own manager and make more money out of the exact same deal meanwhile me smart girl who was sitting in his closet where that was my only place (laughs) for those who don't know her bedroom when she lived with Hef was like in the closet (laughs) she was allowed to have a desk in the closet and, and she was like but not like that stupid Kendra who came in and asked for a better car and asked for a better room and asked to read like made herself and her desires and her standards known. (laughs) Yeah, like, and, like, also, it's, like, um, reading it, too, you're, like, oh, I have so much respect for Kendra. Like, literally, just the way that she paints Kendra. I'm, like, oh, Kendra was, like, literally just here for, to get whatever she could out of this and then leave. And it's, like, and you got so stock, like, not in, like, a, not to victim blame, but it's, like, you got so Stockholm Syndrome that you were there for, like, years and years longer than you should have been. And you weren't even like using it as an opportunity or a launching pad for anything else. You literally fell fell in love with half. Like you decided that your only like dignified solution in this thing was to change half, which is like just so sad, like so beyond sad. One of the funniest, I think, um, interactions she has with the other girl is the crystal one when she's like, can you believe Hef thought we got into a fight? We didn't get into a fight. And then she describes a situation where I guess crystal had worn the same outfit as 
a Holly, somebody tweeted about it. And then Holly goes, all I did was make a generic statement about how I hated copycats after we were both tagged in a million tweets about how she was a copycat. And she goes, I didn't tag her. I didn't say her name. Nobody knew it was about Crystal. And suddenly she's saying I'm being mean to her on Twitter. That's not fair. And it's like, all right, Holly, that's exactly fair. And you did start like, it's so crazy that you could write those words as a 30 year old woman and not take responsibility. I mean, and you can also clearly tell she's so stunted. Like, and it's really, really sad. And I'm like, I do believe that this is like the fault of the mansion probably for mm-hmm. the most part. But also it's like, yeah, you need to see it there. Like you need help. I mean, and then for her to go exa- right into the Chris Angel relationship. Yeah, right into the Chris Angel relationship. Also now she's dating, now she's like married to some other weirdo who like, I think is like also profiting off of her like book stuff. Like isn't... She's married to the guy who invented the electric daisy carnival. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I'm just like, you like how you still have no idea what's going on. Like you've written this like fe- like in theory, uh very like insightful memoir, but it's like it's really not that insightful because you haven't changed or like learned. Well, that's what I also think is interesting about the memoir is it's all about how she doesn't want to be considered a Playboy bunny anymore. She doesn't want her life to be defined by Playboy. It literally opens on the first time she auditions for Playboy. And then like, there's four pages dedicated to her husband. And that's it. Like that, the whole book is just about her Playboy years. Her family isn't mentioned once. The book is called Down the Rabbit Hole. It's like, no, it's clearly about just like her experience as a Playboy bunny. Also, she isn't anything else. Like, like I don't know her as anything else that's the thing that I was like taking away from the book is she spends so much time talking about she wants to like she wants people to know the real Holly she like wants people to understand what she's really like who she really is what she really wanted and like she keeps on talking about these goals that she has to achieve but she never says the goals other than at one point she says she wants to be just famous and she never like reading the I still don't know like who she is, you know, like what is her personality? I like truly couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And the only thing that she like, I, I think about this a lot too, is she talks about how she really likes eating McDonald's French fries with barbecue sauce. And I literally think about that all the time because I'm like, oh, that's the only real information I got about you from this whole book. I'm like, <laughs> I literally don't know anything about you other than like you lived in the mansion and were obsessed with Hef and you like McDonald's French fries and barbecue sauce. Like, I feel like this book was about Hef. Only. <laughs> it's 100% about half. I mean, it was a very good, um, I would say it's like, it was a very good, like, like journalistic piece on like life in the mansion. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, it wasn't even really about her in any way. Also because she painted herself as kind of like this like innocent bystander. It like almost like amplified the extent to which it was just like an observational, almost like I'm a journalist at the mansion living here, watching what's going on. It was like the mansion as it happened to her, not like anything she did. Like it wasn't about her in the mansion. It was about the mansion. Like it literally could have been written by one of the girls who goes to a Sunday pool party. Like a girl. Exactly. Like it could or just and got invited up to the bedroom and then asked the girls and they were like, they say it's every Wednesday and Friday. Like it's not more than that. Which is like it's like weird because it's like, oh, you lived here for so many years and yet you're not really even providing anything like unique or interesting that I couldn't get from like anyone else who's lived in the mansion. She never once talked about like because her and Hef, they were going to bed every night together. They shared a bedroom. Like, what would they say to each other? Like, I would have been actually interested in, like, when you claim that you think you fell in love with him, what was it that you would talk about? Like, did you yeah. ever go to him with, like, a serious problem? Like, 
at one point she says it turns out he's infertile and so that's why they can't have kids and it's like where were these conversations like what was it actually like pretending to be in love with some old person like what were the things that you used to trick yourself yeah and it's like that's the thing too I don't even think she thought it was pretending like it's like oh she was just like literally a kidnapping victim like more or less and like yeah but I'm like no she doesn't even did they talk I have no idea I almost feel like I didn't read the book or even see the movie, but like that, that movie, The Room, about the kid who's born in captivity, uh, it yeah. almost felt like that. Like there was no perspective in the sense that she knew anything else. It felt very weird. Like somebody was like telling you the story as if none of it is weird. <laughs> I also think it's interesting because I'm like, oh, this is someone who had no real relationships before this. And so had literally no frame of reference for like, oh, this is like what a good boyfriend does. This is what a bad boyfriend does. Like she just had no life or dating experience. Like she's like, fucking from Oregon you know like so no, sorry I was just something I don't believe about her is that she's always acting like she wanted to be this actress and that at her acting career was super good. she was auditioning for Playboy for years before she became his girlfriend yeah mm-hmm. I, I think that she liked the mansion like I think that she always liked Playboy in the mansion like and if if she wanted to be an actress she could still be trying to be an actress and I don't think she is so it's like well clearly you don't really want to be an actress that bad I mean, I'll be honest, being free five days a week till 9 p.m., that sounds like a perfect gig to go on auditions. Yeah, exactly. Like, she totally could have been auditioning. Also, it would have, like, just been better for the mansion. Like, I'm sure Hef would have been encouraging of her, like, going on auditions. Especially if he thought she was bad and wouldn't book anything. Yeah. <laughs> also, it doesn't seem like you had to tell him what you were doing. Everybody else was getting husbands, so I think, like, she could figure out... Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> You supposed to do everything you want to do before nine. <laughs> That's the deal. <laughs> but yeah, she did have that one like music video gig or something that she landed. And then she like told Hef that she would be like missing curfew. And he was like, well, then you have to turn down the gig. And like, she was like, oh, well, it was a really devastating moment. And it's like, mm-hmm. like, did you, did you want to be an actor then? Or did you want to live in a mansion? Because like, if he's never going to let you miss curfew for a role, I don't know. Like, what do you, what, do, what is it that you want? <laughs> This isn't going to help you with your career if you can't do the things for your career that, like, while you're living at the mansion. Yeah. I mean, also the other funny, like, I was just thinking when we were talking about how she doesn't want to be known as a playboy girl. Like, I get that for a lot. Even Kim Kardashian, somebody who was launched by a sex tape, somebody like Paris Hilton who was launched by a sex tape, like, somebody who's had nudes leaked. There's one sex tape, and then there's living as a playboy bunny for eight full years. And that is like, this was not like one thing she did to launch herself once for a month and now she's moved on. This is all she's ever done. Four covers, eight years. It's like. But it's also like, she's like one of the only ones who stayed that long. Like who else stayed that long? Because everyone else had a goal beyond the mansion and she literally didn't. Like, and you can like just tell that that's where all of this comes from is that she didn't have any plan for herself outside of like, becoming half's wife at some point yeah Yeah. I mean should we move on to the fun things like the pee (laughs) yeah let's talk about the amount of pee at the mansion (laughs) after I heard about like that the house smelled like pee I was like oh I would never even want to like go here like casually for a party why didn't they clean it and like she talks about how it's like basically dilapidated she's like they did not do literally any upkeep and it's like and it's weird because I think it's like it almost she makes it seem like Hef is like not like a hoarder, but like uh No, she calls him a hoarder. She calls him a hoarder. <laughs> she calls him a hoarder, right? She actually does call him a hoarder, but like 
Yeah, it's like he just like isn't comfortable with anything moving past like it sounds very 80s, like it's all very 80s, and he doesn't want to change anything about it. Yeah, the scrapbooking. Yeah, obsessive scrapbooking. It's disgusting. I like haven't looked into it, but I wonder if anybody was sad when he died. Like I know it. Like people must have acknowledged it, but it's so funny for all that work to become a legend. I really do think he died, and then everybody moved on. Yeah, because I think that there were so many things that came out late in his life that were really, like, made him fundamentally very unlikable. I think, like, people were fine with him before, like, these kind of memoirs and, like, maybe, like, Girls Next Door started because I think people were like, oh, he's, like, cool. He's just, like, a guy with his girls. And it, like, wasn't really... Also, I think the culture of the early 2000s was very... um, like nice to that kind of person reason really liked that kind of character like that kind of like weird guy with all these women who we don't even really know if he's having sex with them like we like that was like a an archetype in the early 2000s like and it's still kind of like a Dan Bilzerian yes yes that, that person still exists and we think of them relatively benevolently even though when you actually like give any thought to it it's really sinister and very weird but I don't think that like yeah as a culture in the 2000s we were even like there yet so yeah. I think people did really like him and then I think um we as a culture changed what we thought was cool and we no longer thought it was cool to be this like weird creepy old guy with a bunch of like teenage girls hanging around and then we all were like oh well that was kind of weird but I think it's like we also rewrote the way that we all perceived Hef because I know like when I was growing up I don't think I thought I thought I think I thought it was like cool in like a weird way I was like oh that's kind of like cool like when I was young and now I'm like no that's like really gross and weird but like well, I feel like we all have that internalized misogyny when we're young, where it's like, ha, yeah, these dumb sluts. And it's funny because yeah. Holly still has that. She still yeah. refers, she refers to like the girls that go in after her as his new concubines. And I'm like, they he are literally you. concubines. <laughs> they are not different than you. Stop calling them whores and sluts. She literally, within three pages, calls those, the girls that he was with before her, the bottle blondes. And then like three pages later talks about dyeing her hair in the bathtub because she didn't know that she could like, she had an open ticket at a salon and she like needed to fix her roots. And it's like, you just said bottle, you like called them bottle blondes in a very negative way, like nine times in a row, a hundred words ago. Like what the fuck is happening in your brain that you think that you're better? Also like, did she have a ghostwriter? Like she must've had a ghostwriter- like kind of but I'm like there's not enough like editing here like there's like like, you have a ghostwriter they are doing you very dirty like they're not helping you (laughs) no I mean well I think a perfect example of like Holly's um like I'm I'm a victim but nobody else's is she talks about going back to the mansion one more time and she sees some it's, oh, it's right after Crystal Harris had run out on him at their first wedding. She didn't get married to him. So she comes in and there's some new playmate who she names, first and last name, who's coming out of Hef's bed. Clearly had, had slept with him that night. And she has the dogs next to her. And she goes, how do you let the dogs out? And Holly goes, um, you just open the door and they walk out. And she acts like this is, and then she immediately goes, but I understand why she was confused because there's so many rules at the mansion. Maybe that there's some like, routine for how the dogs get let out and you're like okay so then why were you so fucking mean and belittling to her if you've been in that situation and you know what it is to be constantly reprimanded and abused for like not knowing the very specific unwritten rules of the mansion 
like almost it's it's really really weird because you're like oh this person has like such intense like repressive capabilities like she's just like totally like erased any sort of like memory of herself as that person like and she can't even see herself even kind of remotely in that person mm-hmm. yeah I mean she ta- she calls people stupid so often she like barely ever mentions Kendra without calling her ditzy she calls Chris Angel borderline illiterate it's like I don't know man you are the company you need, <laughs> bitch <laughs> I mean yeah a lot of projection a lot of projection <laughs> She has yeah. one friend named Angel Perino. I don't know if you remember this part, but she has one friend named Angel Perino um, who is in Holly's world with her. And she's like, I loved her. She was so funny. And suddenly she's like, I don't know. Angel just stopped hanging out with me as much. And then they haven't spoken since. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. Some friendships just grow apart. And I'm like, I would love to heal her uh, angels. Did you Google Angel Perino? No, I should like do some digging, but it is funny because for everybody else, when she's so clearly also somewhat in the wrong, she still paints it as the other girl was in the wrong. So I'm like, what happened here that you are so beyond reproach that you don't even know how to spin it in your like sick little mind? Yeah, like I do fully believe the girls who lived in the house before her were bullies and threatened by her. But like, I do, I don't know. I'm just like very curious about what all these other girls who like Hef was dating at the time that she didn't click with thought of her. Like, I'm not saying that they're right, but like. No, I bet that Mm -hmm. they probably are right. Like, I think that... (laughs) again the way that like Kendra approached the mansion I'm like to me that's the most normal way to approach the mansion I'm like Kendra being like I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna suck this bitch dry and then I'm gonna fucking leave and get married to someone else and then also like talking shit on half later like I'm like no no no, that's really normal like that's a well-adjusted person who like knows how to utilize an opportunity and then like get out but I'm like, I think all the other girls are probably like, oh, that's Holly. She's really sad and weird. And she's in love with Hef. And like, they're probably all like, she's really sad and weird. Like, And also she was probably like a tattletale. Like, I bet they were like, mm-hmm. we have her. Like, like, she will ruin our lives if given a chance so that he gets her a nicer Valentine's Day gift. It's fucking weird. Like, they're probably thinking she's pathetic. But like, it, like, I'm sure they feel very sorry for her. Like... <laughs> Because, like, okay. the same way that she was... Oh, I just want to say the no, same no, way no. she is, like, harshly judging the way that they are, like, sucking him dry. They were probably, like, why isn't... Like, what is her deal that she's not doing that? <laughs> and then she was so judgmental and calling them all prostitutes. And they weren't literally prostitutes. Like, she's the judgmental one. If I was a men escort and this girl who is also an escort, but for less money, <laughs> she was like a free escort was then judging me. I'd be like, fuck you, you dumb bitch. You're just like bad at it. We're, we have the same job. You're just bad at it. Yeah. You're bad at your job. <laughs> and I like, kept on saying it's because she just needed a place to stay. And it's like, that's the sickest thing of all is that like, you did not have a single friend with a couch. You had to become Hugh Hefner's girlfriend. <laughs> Well, that's also it is it's like okay clearly this wasn't just a place to stay yeah like you could stay anywhere like this is, <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> okay she thought she really did something by dropping the bomb that um <laughs> that she had sex with half she were you surprised by that because she really thought that that would be a shocker um, I kind of was. I, I wouldn't have been, let's say, I wouldn't have been surprised if I found out that Hef was not having sex with any of them. That would have not been mm-hmm. a surprise. I was, 
I was surprised that he even like I did imagine some sort of weird ritual where like they would all like dance around him or something and he would like jack off but I was like really surprised that he penetrated them like I was shocked and he didn't really but like I was like shocked when that happened I mean were you guys not I was shocked um I was shocked at how shocking she thought she was I was shocked that they were all what I was most shocked about, shock, 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 sorry. The thing that actually most shocked me was that they were allowed to go out and publicly say that they didn't have sex with him. I thought if anything, they would be expected to say it a lot publicly and then not actually have to do it because it was so image-based. I was surprised that they were even allowed to say we're not having sex with him. See, to me, I was like, Hef's like whole image was someone, he's like, he was like 80, like whatever. But like, I was like, oh, he's like the kind of guy who like just wants who wants you to think that his like sex days are behind him and he just like likes having these like young girls around and that was like always my perception of half and like my mom growing up I remember asking her like oh does like have have sex with all the girls like in the mansion or whatever my mom was like honestly probably not like she was like I I doubt it she's like I doubt someone like that wants to have sex anymore and I'm like I don't even think he did want to have sex anymore like he did either reading about the ritual I'm like this guy doesn't want to be doing this this sounds awful for everyone involved like this is truly an interaction that's making no one happy like, however, she's, like, when the girls are supposed to be hooking up with each other, and she's, like, we just kind of laid on top of each other and gossiped, and, like, if phones, if we'd had iPhones, we would have been on our phones, and it's, like, what? I'm, like, literally, this sounds, like, truly the least erotic experience that I could possibly think of, like. Yeah, it's bizarre, and the way that it was scheduled for Wednesdays and Fridays is so funny to me. I know. No romance. No romance on a schedule. She also talks about how, like, later in, like, the second half of their time there, I guess, like, her next couple years before the show, though, they, like, weren't even really wanted at clubs anymore. Like, she was, like, when I first joined, it was, like, this huge fanfare. Like, we'd show up to the clubs. Everyone was, like, oh, my God, there's Hugh Hefner with his seven women and then some. It's all crazy. And then, like, after a couple years of, like, showing up at hot clubs twice a week, they were kind of, like we're busy. (laughs) We don't need you. And he was still just obsessed with his schedule and it had to be like certain places, the twice a week thing. Like why? Well, I thought that was interesting that they stopped having sex when the show started being successful because it was like, he, he got what he needed, which is fame. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it is weird too. Cause I'm like, Oh, like you don't like, it's like weird that like half Hef truly didn't want to be cool for the 2000s. He wanted to keep being cool for the 80s. And, like, that was, like, such a huge, weird part of it. It's, like, he didn't, he didn't, like, want to keep up with the times. He just wanted the times to, like, stay the same for him. I mean, I guess I would, too, if I was him. Like, I mean, how many times can you reinvent yourself? You're 74 years old, and you're just, like, can't we just keep it up at when I was, like, 40? <laughs> yeah, but it, like, but then I'm, like, but then why wouldn't you just, like, quit? Like, all, like, why wouldn't you just stop? Like, I don't know if, like, things have changed so much that you don't like them anymore. Why wouldn't you just, like, find new things to do? Like, read a book, get a different hobby. Like, there's so many other things. But I guess, like, also his identity was so, like, tied up in this. I don't know. It's It's really really sad. It's really all very sad. Like, I didn't expect it to bum me out as much as it did. I completely agree. I, like, am so shocked by the way that this book, like, put me in a bad mood. (laughs) It made me really, I, and like, also like, I, I remember, I remember like telling my friend I was reading it and she was like, I don't honestly don't even want to hear about this. She's like, this is making me really sad. And I'm really upset. <laughs> like, just like me telling her about it. Yeah. It's depressing. 
Do you have any final last little specific moments that haunt you to this day that we can wrap up with? No, I really think to me, like, I just can smell the ma- the fact that I can like now smell what I think the mansion probably smelled like in my head. I'm like, that's so awful. Like just, I'm so sensitive to smells. Like I can't even really watch like TV shows set like before the nineties. Like if people are smoking inside, cause I can't even like put myself in a situation where I'd want to be in the situation. Cause I know I wouldn't like how it smelled. And it so is- like, Literally just knowing that like the whole mansion smelled like pee made it so like I, I probably couldn't even watch Girls Next Door anymore and like not like want to throw up. It's like a rich person thing because it came up, I was just saying in that Netflix documentary, The Queen of Versailles, that was like, did you yeah. see that? Yes, I did. Yeah. That was another one where you're like, okay, here's like a $10 million mansion just covered in dog shit and pee. The real housewives are always having dogs that aren't house. Like what is it about rich people that they can't, they don't mind living in pee. Like, don't have dogs. You could either have dogs or have dogs that pee outside. Like, you have an enormous staff of people. Just, like, make it someone's job to babysit the dogs. They had, like, a full-time scrapbooker. They had, like, a bookkeeper for the scrapbooks, and they couldn't have someone who was just, like, making sure the dogs peed outside. Hire wag. It's, like, wag yeah. come twice a day. Like, it's, like, not a big deal. I don't know. that. It's It's so strange. Got in barbecue sauce, I guess. Holly's barbecue <laughs> sauce. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any, sorry, do you have any final thoughts on Holly? Do you have any, how did you leave the book on good terms? I, with left our- book, I left the book really like sad for her. And like, I think I did. I hope, I hope for the best. I continue to hope for the best. Like I hope she like figures out what she wants to do. But like, I, it reminds me of, um, did you guys, have you guys read How to Murder Your Life? Uh, the no. Cheryl, what's her name? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the drug addict. Oh, Kat Marnell. Kat Marnell, Kat Marnell. So her book ends where she's like, look, I'm going to be honest, I'm still a drug addict. And like mm-hmm. that I love because I'm like, okay, like we know exactly what you're doing. And then you can like look on her Instagram and you see that she's like traveling through Europe and is just still running out of money and is still doing the exact same thing that she was doing in the book. And you're like, okay, but I know that and she know, and I know that she knows that and I know that she doesn't think she's better. And so that makes me feel okay. But, like, with this, I'm, like, Holly Madison clearly thinks she, like, has gone on this emotional and mental journey. And she's, like, really made it out to the other side. And I'm, like, as long as she thinks that while all of these other things are, like, true and she's clearly thinking in these same ways, I'm, like, I don't believe that's true. And so I feel sorry for her because she still isn't, like, her head is still isn't through it. Like, she hasn't gotten through it yet. Yes. I, like, do believe there could be another memoir about the marriage she's in now, and it would almost be identical to the Half and Chris. Yeah, and I don't think she's, like, learned anything. Like, and it's really sad. they actually broke up. I think that she, like, went through, I think they divorced last year. Should I look that up right now? I looked up her Wikipedia, and I'm pretty sure that they're done, and it, yeah, like, I'd love to know more about that. Like, what is, like, I'm happy she has a baby and stuff, because I think she really wanted a family, but, like. Yep, they divorced. Holy shit. I mean, I can tell you exactly why they divorced because I read her narr- her book and I know she hasn't grown. Yeah. Yeah, like she's not, she wasn't ready for another relationship. She literally jumped from half to Chris Angel who was like also abusive. I'm just like, you, I don't know, get help. But it's also like, I can't only feel so sorry for her because it's like she has the tools at her disposal and she's like choosing not to use that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that's how I felt. Where it, like it puts me in a really weird position where I like not a weird position, just like a weird feeling where I'm like, I do feel sad for her, but I also am like, I don't know, she's an, a grown woman. 
Also, mm-hmm. I don't think she feels sad for herself. I'm also like, mm-hmm. oh, the weird worldview is kind of like protecting her and insulating her from like knowing how genuinely unhappy she is. And so I'm kind of like, well, I can't feel sorry for someone who doesn't feel sorry for themselves. Like, yeah, that's true. As she thinks she, that's it. Well, on that note, thank you so much for bringing this book to our attention and getting it on my reading list and doing this podcast. Thanks for reading it. I'm glad we could talk about it. This is like it's the first conversation I've had about it. So it needs to be discussed. And it's funny because I, I have a lot of friends who all loved Girls Next Door. And it is like, do you, like we forgot that we loved it. And it's scary. I really think those shows and other things in that from that era did make it so that women wanted to be objectified. And it's like, you didn't think that you were doing woman right if you couldn't be objectified. And like, that's really sad. Yeah. I mean, I do think there was this very confusing like moment of like who holds the power. Is it the woman who like knows she's being objectified and is like trying to get what she can out of it? Or is it the man who's objectifying her. And I think that like Holly still has not figured that out. I think that she still thinks that she was like in charge at any point. And it's like, you weren't. The fact that she thinks she had like power over Hef and you can tell that she's like, Hef was in love with me. And like, it's like, honey, like, oh. She talks about how difficult and like dramatic Crystal was. And it's like, okay, well, you know that Hef was like whispering things in her ear all day about you. Like, you know that she views you as a threat because Hef made her think that and then like the fact that she's like and he always wanted to run back to me and it's like because you were easy like well you're I don't the know if easy like, is the right word but like you were so sorry oh no I was just gonna say she was just like so like well behaved and like never pushed the boundaries and he probably missed that mm-hmm. well also like she was the only one who like seemed to for some reason really want just to be with half Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, Hef wanted that because everyone else was like a smart, normal person. Yeah, who, like was using him. Yeah, it was just so funny how um, afraid she was of him for no reason. Like how unaware. Like in the, on the one hand, she did think she had this power, but the other hand, she was like, "I was scared to wear red lipstick." Meanwhile, Crystal Harris broke off their engagement at the altar to go fuck Doctor Phil's son. And then came back and they still got married and she left with a lot of money. So, like, clearly you did not have to tiptoe around half the way she thought you did. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I will end this recording. No. Oh, whoops. That was ending the meeting. End the recording. Okay. Stop recording.